Hey everyone, Mundo here. If you would like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash crimeandcourtusa. Yo, what's up everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of Crime in Court USA. This is a weekly show where I go over the biggest crime and legal news happening in the good old US of A. I'm your host, Mundo Carrillo, your boy Moondog, <laughs> recording this on December 29th, 2021. I hope you guys had a good Christmas, man. I hope you guys are doing well. I know I had a good Christmas. Saw my brothers, man. They came down from Denver. Saw some other family members. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if you know this about Hispanic people, particularly Hispanic people in northern New Mexico, but we eat a lot of spicy food during Christmas time. You know what I mean? A lot of pozole, a lot of chili, a lot of tamales, whatever else, right? So, which is delicious, by the way. Couldn't complain, but took my stomach a few days to recover. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, but it was still a good time. It really was. I, I love Christmas. I really, it might be my favorite holiday. I think it is because not just not only is it awesome to receive gifts from your family, of course. I just like the spirit of it all. You know what I mean? Everyone kind of gets in that good mood. I hate Christmas music, but I kind of like the whole vibe it gives off. You know what I mean? The whole Christmas sweater thing. I just like it. I really like Christmas. So I enjoyed myself. I hope you guys did too. So this week, I want to recap some of the biggest crime and legal stories that happened in 2021. But first, on Thursday, December 23rd, former Brooklyn Center, Minnesota police officer Kim Potter was found guilty of manslaughter for shooting 20-year-old Dante Wright, who was a black man, during a traffic stop in April. She will be sentenced at a later date and faces up to 15 years in prison. Now, we are still waiting on the verdicts in the Ghislaine Maxwell and Elizabeth Holm trials. There is some interesting stuff going on for Glane Maxwell. The uh, jury, or sorry, the judge has extended jury deliberation hours to 6 p.m. local time, I believe, just to, just so they can get it over with because there's a concern over COVID spreading in New York now. So that deliberation, all, all three of these trials started deliberating last Monday. So we're going on about a week and a half now. Well, kind of, because we they did have a few days off for the holidays, so... And they might get another few days off for New Year's. So, yeah, I think the judge just wants them to wrap it up in Ghislaine Maxwell's trial and Elizabeth Holmes. Who knows? That's a corruption trial or not a corruption trial, a, a fraud trial. And I think they just have a lot to consider. There's a lot of evidence to go over. So they just might need more time in that one. But as usual, I will keep you guys posted. Hey, everyone. Future Mundo here. So as I was editing... Breaking news came out that Ghislaine Maxwell was convicted of five of the six counts she faced. So she is going to be in prison for a while. We'll know more about her sentencing later. Back to the show. Bye. All right. Let's get to the year that was 2021 and look back at some of the biggest crime stories. So let's start off with the riot that happened at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Yeah, that happened this year, believe it or not. So on January 6th, hundreds of Donald Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol as Congress was finalizing the results of the 2020 presidential election in which Joe Biden was declared the president-elect. 
This led to hundreds of arrests, as well as to the death of several officers and the death of a rioter who was shot by an officer. Trump and many of his supporters believe that the election was stolen and that Trump was the rightful president. That sounds like something out of Game of Thrones or some shit, right? Like, he's the rightful heir to the throne. Some people in the mob wanted to hang former Vice President Mike Pence on some crazy shit. I think there was even, they rigged up a noose and all that outside of the Capitol, man. They're crazy. I don't know if they were serious or not, but they were threatening to hang the former Vice President. People started breaking exterior windows and they started making their way inside the Capitol and lawmakers had to be evacuated to their little caves or, you know, wherever they go to hide the secret tunnels. The mob made it as far as the Senate chamber and to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's desk. If you remember that guy who was sitting at Pelosi's desk with his feet up, just having a good old time, you know what I mean? Showing his face (laughs) for police to track him down. I don't know, it just seemed like they were having a good time in there, you know, kind of making it casual. But there were actual casualties during this event, as I said. Capitol Police Officer Michael Byrd shot and killed 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt as she and several others were trying to break through a door deep inside the building. No charges were ever filed against Byrd, and he was cleared of any wrongdoing. According to an article from the New York Times, about 140 officers from the Capitol Police and D.C. Metro Police Departments were injured that day. They ranged from cuts and bruises to concussions and fractured ribs and even a heart attack. One officer died on January 7th, the following day, after being sprayed in the face with a chemical agent during the attack, and two other officers died by suicide. People started getting arrested through the use of social media. Of course, a lot of people took videos and photos of themselves at at that riot and posted them online. That actually included County Commissioner Coy Griffin from New Mexico, who I actually got to write about because I was still at the Albuquerque Journal at the time. He posted a bunch of videos of himself. In fact, he had a videographer go with him to this to to film him (laughs) on the steps of the Capitol. And of course, when charging Commissioner Griffin, they used that video evidence against him. So uh, you guys, I am not a lawyer and you should not take any kind of legal advice from me whatsoever. But I should advise you to not take photos or film yourself committing a crime, man, and put it on social media, man. Come on. <laughs> but, don't, but don't listen to me. Anyways, there are still legislative hearings on the matter. Criminal cases are still running through the federal court system. Yeah, it, it's a lot to handle, man. It's a lot. This is a big, big prosecution. And uh, many people involved in the riot were current and former members of law enforcement and the military. So just recently, the Pentagon passed new rules to limit extremism in its ranks. And as I said, there's just a lot to unpack with this story here. I could do a whole nother weekly podcast on just all the developments that come out week after week. But um, that's pretty much the gist of it. (laughs) I remember watching this. I remember being at home and watching this unfold on TV. And I just couldn't believe it was happening. Like, what am I watching here? It seemed at the time like an act of war or something. I know that's extreme now, but like it wasn't the case at all. It was just a riot that got out of hand. But when you're watching it live, it's like, what the hell? Like people are storming the U.S. Capitol. This is where, this is the center of our government here in the United States. And they're just walking right in, just walking (laughs) right up to the Senate chamber, right up to Speaker Pelosi's desk. It's just, it was crazy to watch. It's probably one of the craziest things I've ever seen live. Maybe the the craziest thing outside of the September 11th attacks that I've seen on TV. All right, let's move on to April, when former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was found guilty of murdering George Floyd, a black man, 
in May of 2020. Video of the incident was captured by a 17-year-old girl and shows Chauvin kneeling on Floyd's neck for over nine minutes. The jury came to the verdicts after about 10 hours of deliberation, which to me is relatively quick. Chauvin was later sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison, and he has also pleaded guilty to federal civil rights charges relating to Floyd's death. Floyd's death set off a lot of protests and unrest across the country in May of 2020 at a time when people were advised to remain on lockdown due to the COVID pandemic. And um, yeah, I think those protests hit just about everywhere. I had to cover them in Albuquerque, a peaceful one at first in the evening, and then a not so peaceful one around 1 a.m. when people were smashing windows downtown and police were throwing tear gas and stuff. It was pretty wild, but a good story, I guess. Some dude set a trash can on fire right in front of me. I thought he was throwing trash away like a good citizen. <laughs> he wasn't. He was, uh, he was putting cardboard in the trash can to set it on fire. Yeah, I remember watching that video of, of Showin and Floyd and just being horrified at what I saw. And I think most reasonable people watching that saw a man get murdered, right? I mean, I know there were some people, like on Twitter, like saying justice for Derek Chauvin or whatever, but I think most people saw a murder happen when they saw that video, and the force was just not justified in any way. I think the jury saw that as well, because as I said, the verdict came back relatively quickly, about 10 hours of deliberation. I mean, look how long the juries are deliberating in these other cases. Kim Potter, Glenn Maxwell, Elizabeth Holmes. Days, days and days. And with this one, they pretty much came back the next day and were guilty on all counts. And they got to go through, by the way, on every single count and discuss it piece by piece. So to go through all the counts he faced and to come back with guilty verdicts within 10 hours, I think they were pretty convinced of what they saw during the trial. All right, let's move on to the disappearance and death of Gabby Petito. 22-year-old Gabby Petito and her fiancé, 23-year-old Brian Laundrie, left New York in a van in the summer and began documenting their trips to national parks in the western United States. Their post showed a happy couple, but that was just not the case at all. They encountered police in Moab, Utah, in August, after someone saw them fighting and called 911, the police were about to arrest Gabby for domestic violence after finding that she was the aggressor. They saw some marks and scrapes on, on Brian, and instead of arresting her, they just had them separate for the night. They had, I forget who, but I think someone kept the van and someone was taken to a hotel. I think Brian, since he was technically the, the victim of domestic violence, was taken to a hotel for the night. Who knows if they actually you know, separated? They weren't supposed to text or call each other either. Who knows if that actually happened? But on September 1st, Brian showed up to his parents' house in Florida without Gabby, and Gabby's family reported her missing on September 11th. Human remains consistent with Gabby's description were found near T Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming on September 19th, and the body was later positively identified as Gabby. In October, a Wyoming coroner ruled that Gabby died by strangulation. Meanwhile, Brian was missing in a Florida reserve, and everybody started looking for him, including Dog the Bounty Hunter. His remains were later found, and it was determined that Brian died of a self-inflicted gunshot to the head. So this case really captured the nation's attention, and we'll never know for sure if Brian killed Gabby. Now, guys, everyone is innocent until proven guilty, even here on Crime and Court USA, all right? But, <laughs> yeah, the evidence does seem pretty strong. It's like the OJ situation. It's like, okay, he was acquitted, but we all know what happened there. <laughs> but, yeah, 
so that one's over unfortunately it looks like gabby was murdered and will not uh not have justice unfortunately the one suspect the one person of interest he was never called a suspect brian was he was always called a person of interest by by the police and um now he's gone so sadly nothing will ever come of this at least court wise also in september R&B singer R. Kelly was found guilty of several counts of sex trafficking and racketeering for essentially running a sex trafficking ring that included several teenage girls. Kelly was also convicted of bribing a government official so he could marry singer Aaliyah when she was only 15 and he was 27 and he now faces life in prison. Several victims testified that Kelly would enforce strict rules on them and force them to have sex with other men. They were also subject to bizarre punishments for breaking those rules. One of the victims testified that she was forced to smear feces all over herself for breaking those rules. Just bizarre, bizarre, pretty much disturbing stuff. And uh, yeah, this trial just revealed just the bizarre details about how he lived. I mean, there wasn't just the victims who testified. There were other people who worked for him and were around him who testified. And they just painted a bizarre picture, man, about how this dude lived. I don't have much more to say about this. He has been accused of this before. You know, throughout the years, he did face a trial, but was acquitted in the past. Comedians had made jokes about it. You know how it is. And um, I suppose it's time he got his comeuppance, finally. All right, let's move on to October, when actor Alec Baldwin shot and killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of Rust outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. The Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office and the Santa Fe District Attorney are still investigating the case, and have not ruled out any criminal charges, and civil lawsuits have already been filed in this shooting. According to investigative documents, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the 24-year-old armorer on the set, loaded a bunch of guns and put them on a cart. Assistant director Dave Halls then grabbed one of the pistols and handed it to Baldwin, yelling, cold gun, which means the gun doesn't have any live rounds. Baldwin was practicing pulling the gun from its holster when it fired around into Hutchins's chest, she was airlifted to a hospital in Albuquerque and later died. Director Joel Souza was hit in the shoulder and was treated at a hospital in Santa Fe. Now Baldwin, he later told George Stephanopoulos in an interview with ABC News that he did not pull the trigger. That, uh, of course, once he did that, then several media outlets began doing stories on it and they quoted several gun experts saying that it's rare for a Colt 45 to misfire. People were also saying it was risky for Baldwin to give that interview. Usually lawyers tell you to shut your mouth. He's not charged with anything, right? But still, I would tell him not to give an interview because that just opens up the door for, for all kinds of stuff. Now, there were already safety concerns on the set. Several crew members walked off the morning of the shooting to protest safety and living conditions. There were reports that crew members were doing target practice with live rounds on the set and that guns there were misfiring and deputies did recover live ammunition from the set. So this case, I'm not sure if criminal charges will get filed. I'm going either way on this. I don't think, I'm leaning more towards that they won't get filed, but I could see them being like, okay, your negligence led to someone's death here. Like I could see a manslaughter charge happening here against, it could be against Gutierrez Reed, it could be against Halls, it could even be against Baldwin. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm leaning towards no charges just because I don't think anyone intentionally did anything. Although, yeah, it's, it's your response. The armor in particular, I feel it, it's your responsibility to make sure that there are no live rounds in that gun. I mean, that's 
specifically what you're paid for, it seems like. So I could see them going after Gutierrez Reed, maybe, because everyone else kind of maybe put their trust in her. If I'm Baldwin, you guys, and there's an armorer on this set, there's someone who's in charge of making sure the guns will have live rounds, and they hand me a gun, or they hand the director, an assistant director gun, who then hands me a gun, I'm trusting them. Like, I believe that there's no bullets in there. I know they're still executing search warrants and still gathering evidence, so... I'm sure this is a huge case. They'll make an announcement on whether there will be charges or not. So I will keep you all posted. Okay, let's move on to late November when Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty of fatally shooting two men and wounding another during protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. Rittenhouse, who was only 17 at the time, faced murder charges for killing 36-year-old Joseph Rosenbaum and 26-year-old Anthony Huber. He also injured Gage Grosskreutz and fired shots and pointed his gun at others as well. There were protests and unrest in the city in August 2020 after Kenosha police shot Jacob Blake, a black man, in the back and paralyzed him from the waist down. Rittenhouse said that he was asked to go to Kenosha from his native Illinois by a local business owner to help protect his property. Self-defense seemed to be the biggest component in the acquittal, and the state of Wisconsin didn't seem to have the strongest case. Rittenhouse faced life in prison if convicted, and he has been tossing the idea around of suing several media outlets who have called him a white supremacist, allegedly, so we'll see. We'll see. Also, in late November, three men, including a father-son duo, were convicted of murder in the killing of Ahmad Arbery in Georgia in February of 2020. Arbery, a 25-year-old black man, was out for a jog in Brunswick, Georgia, when 65-year-old George, I'm sorry, when 65-year-old Gregory McMichael and his son, 35-year-old Travis McMichael, chased him down in a truck and cut him off. The McMichaels, who are white, believe that Arbery was responsible for a recent string of burglaries and tried to do a citizen's arrest. Arbery and Travis McMichael got into a scuffle with the shotgun, and Arbery was shot several times. William Bryan, who filmed the encounter, was also convicted of murder. Let's keep it in late November, when 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly opened fire at Oxford High School in Pontiac, Michigan, killing four students and wounding several others. Ethan's parents, James and Jennifer Crumbly, are charged with four counts of manslaughter, one for each person who was killed. Authorities say the gun was bought for Ethan four days before the shooting, and that Ethan was present when it was purchased. The Crumleys were summoned to the school the morning of the shooting, after a teacher found a troubling note on Ethan's desk. It was a drawing of a handgun with the words, The thoughts won't stop, help me, and there was another drawing with a bullet that said blood everywhere. The parents never brought up the gun during this meeting, and Ethan's backpack was never searched. The Crumleys were resistant in taking Ethan out of school that day, and he was sent back to class. The first 911 calls about the shooting came in about three hours after that. And the prosecutor up there in Pontiac, Michigan, has not ruled out charging school officials for how they handled this. And finally, three big trials went to the jury the week of Christmas. That would be Kim Potter, Ghislaine Maxwell, and Elizabeth Holmes. We kind of already talked about this, so I won't go into too much more detail, but uh, Kim Potter found guilty of manslaughter for killing Dante Wright. We're still waiting to see on how Ghislaine Maxwell will fare. She is accused of basically helping Jeffrey Epstein recruit and sexually abuse teenage girls from the 90s until the 2000s. And Elizabeth Holmes founded Theranos when she was 19. She's accused of fraud for uh, yeah, just basically defrauding people. Her technology, she promised that her technology would be able to do several blood tests 
with just a few, several hundred blood tests rather, from just a few drops of blood, that turned out to be completely bogus. And uh, now her company's, which was once, once worth $9 billion, is now worth nothing. So there we go. That was that was 2021, guys. I'm hoping 2022 is better. Now, 2021, it may have been a crazy year for crime and the legal system as well as for the world in general, but it was also pretty crazy for me personally. I quit my job back in February because just because I wanted to change. I still want to stay in journalism or, you know, have a journalism adjacent job. I don't know what this is. I don't think this is really journalism, but uh, journalism adjacent. <laughs> I'll call it. I just, I just wanted out of the newspaper business. I wanted something new. I wanted to podcast. I wanted to create YouTube videos, you know, digital content. So I quit. And uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, I actually originally wanted to start a, a podcast about music. Now, if you guys really know me, you know that I love music more than anything else in the world, right? So that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to leave the news business altogether and just talk about music, man. And um, I was having lunch on my very last day of work at the journal. This is late February. I was having lunch with my editor at the time. And, you know, I was telling him like, yeah, I think I'm done with news, man. Like, I don't, I don't really want to get back into murder and mayhem and, and that kind of stuff. I'm burnt out on it. And he was like, you know, don't say that. You might get back in the news someday. And I was like, sure, you don't know what you're talking about, man. You have, you have no idea. I'll never get back in the news. <laughs> and sure enough, it took like a month for me to flip on that and start developing a news podcast. And so I started publishing this podcast in April, in about mid-April. And in late May, on May 24th, I went to the hospital. As you guys may know, I did a podcast about this. I had a brain bleed. And I was on my ass. I lost part of my vision for a little while. And um, yeah, that put me on my ass for about two and a half months. And I didn't put out any content. I really didn't get out of the house, you know, just trying to recover from that. I didn't know if I was going to be able to work again or what. My my life was very uncertain. And um, I just went through a lot mentally. But I made a full recovery, which surprised the eye doctor. I got my vision back. You know, we saw some things work out. Brain surgery might still beyond the table. I'll have to figure that out later in January, but um, no, I, I feel good. And I'm excited about the future of this show. Very excited. I have some new announcements coming soon as well. So stay tuned for that. There's some new content coming your way, but uh, more about that later. Anyhow, that's all for this week, guys. And that's all for this year, I guess. Please be safe and responsible on New Year's Eve. Please be good to each other. Don't make bad decisions. Share this podcast with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Share it with your comrades. Help me spread the word of Crime and Court USA, you guys. All right, folks. <laughs> Until next year, my name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace.